Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to a very special edition. It's really, is it a I've been waiting to have this conversation for a while now. I knew this was on, I knew this was scheduled for us uh, to do. But, you know, when I think about 20 year journey, this is our 20th year doing the show. And I think about the people that have come forward. I'm always fascinated by how much I learn every day of my life. Um, Ishinobu is joining me here today. He's the author of Besting Yourself, Gaining Power. I need to say that again. Besting Yourself gaining power. See, when I get a book that uses the word power, and I work with women all over the world, and one of the hardest words for them to claim is the word power. But when I think about this, and I think about the journey that brought us here to this conversation, and to a book that provides such an opportunity for transformative change on the inside and out, I get fired up. Thank you for joining me here today. I want to just start out. I love this question. There's so many things you've done in the world. This is not your first rodeo. How has the journey to launching this, publishing this, bringing this forward, how has that journey, given everything you've done, transformed you? Well, writing books and the scholarly work that I do is just work. I sought from an early age to become realized in the traditional spiritual sense. So that's one aspect of it. There's been a lot of benefits to my spiritual journey. And the work is, the work corresponds because my original impetus for writing books was to explain everything. So that's the nature of my oeuvre of books is (laughs) both science and spirituality. You know, I loved hearing you say it in your own words. And, and, you know, it's so important because one of the things I love is the notification that everything is energy. And I do call it a notification because some people, some of us have been notified and we, we kind of lean into it and others are still waiting for the notification memo. But in the, in, in the world we live in, the idea of being able to claim besting yourself to say yes to it, to understand that it isn't just about how much money we make, how many jobs we have, how high on the ladder we we rise, has a spiritual component. And I know I'm not here today because of any any letters behind my name. I'm here today because I so appreciate and honored the guidance I've got along the way. How important is it for people to understand that the journey of besting yourself is multidimensional. I'm sorry, I don't know how to answer that question. Every individual lives their life the way they feel best. Uh, 
what I do is try to provide information for people who are receptive for them to pick up on and go forward. And that's what this book is about more than any of my other books. It's the most simple, direct statement of that. Yeah. And, you know, when I look at it, when I read it, you know, the question then comes, stands out, stands out, and it stands out in a lot of ways. But unfortunately, in the world we live in, we like to categorize things as self-help. But this is different. It's different. And it's different on purpose, isn't it? Writers and artists of all stripes reflect uh, what's in them and put themselves out in the way that they think about the world. I want to talk about the bridge between being and the problem and the way you talk about it in the book. Um, I got to tell you, I totally agree. Being, living, it should be fun. I think every one of us has our happy space. Just give me a ping pong ball and a bat and let me go out my garage and play play that sport with my robot, of course, right? And time stops. Everything stops. Crank up my music. Maybe it's Pink Floyd today, right? Dark side of the moon. I get out there. I'm in a different space. I allow myself to experience that. And one of the things you come out of the gate and say living should be fun. Bliss is your birthright. Have we forgotten that? <laughs> I mean, I wish I could get to the garage more often than I do. But I think I, we may I, have a lapse of a lapse of memory on this one. I can't speak for other people. I can mm-hmm. only speak for myself and my loved ones. Uh, there does seem to be a lot of suffering in the world. And perhaps people have forgot that the whole point of the exercise of living is to have fun and to have entertainment all around us. We think of fun as some side activity of play, but really work is play. It It's all in the mind. Uh, why work other than to enjoy the process? Because everything is process. We're either here in the moment, which now is all that exists. So we're either present to that or we're absent. We're lost in thought, literally. Yeah. And I've been on both sides of that, you know, corporate career, kind of worked my way up, walking away from that and discovering exactly what you said. I'm a network owner. We're going to be expanding. I love every minute of what I do. I love this conversation with you. You know, work, people, my friends want to call it work. I can't even relate to that at certain levels. Work for me is the gardening I got to do later on this weekend. That's a little, but it's still fun. What I love about this is that I've been called an optimist. I mean, my nickname is Pollyanna Patty. And yet people at some level, I'm going to generalize for a minute, people that are close to me, people I know, they seem unhappy. What makes people? unhappy from where you sit. Mentation, we speak about, we use the word the mind and all is process. Our natural inclination is to speak in terms of nouns. But when I use the word mind, think mental process, mental activity, because that's what it is. So there are, as I describe in the book, three aspects of the mind or mental activity. Uh, Core mind, as I call it, is baseline sensation and perception in terms of taking the data that is within and without us and starting to make sense of it. And then we have the interpreters. Uh, our our own will, our desire, is what I call will mind. Um, our intentions, our, des- our desires set the vector of our intentions, and then we proceed from there. But there's an independent agent, 
in our mind. It is the source of all our trouble, all mental illness. And that's what I call natter mind or monkey mind is also a phrase. And the reason it's called monkey mind, monkeys are very chattering. And people suffer because they believe what natter mind tells them. They believe that the physical world is real. That's the primal illusion. Yeah. Uh, they believe whatever they believe. Um, there is no good to come out of belief. Uh, there is no reason to think that you are a, a person or a self. Uh, all these common concepts are people are buying mirages, and that isn't the path to joy. The path to joy is to simply be in the moment right here and now. In, in other words, exercise your will mind to its fullest extent, and everything takes care of itself from there. And yeah, there's a I, reason for there's yeah. a reason for that. Yeah, I think in your book you say desire and intention. I apologize, but desire and intention. Um, you talk about that being the providence of the will mind. I love what you're talking about because you see we are so caught up in the illusion right now, and and how are we, how is it playing out in our? Let's just take a little trip down our pop culture. How is it playing out? Well, let me give you an example. Hollywood, for example, had the realization. It only makes sense to make movies that take people to illusion of a life that they are probably never going to see or have, whether it's Avatar or the entire Avenger. That what they've realized is the love stories, the things that people use, they're not plugging into. They're plugging into a space that they could go to be anywhere but the present moment. And that's that's a reflection. You know, in the world that I live in, I get statistics every day about the world of how much are we drinking? How much are we eating? How much are we doing? How much are we doing? But you also say thought is useless. It solves nothing. I love that. Can you explain that for us today? The only reason we proceed through our desires to intention, the only, in, in terms of will mind, the only time that a thought arises is when we have a doubt. We have some intention. I'm I'm trying to do this, and then we hit a snag, uh, and th the mind works subconsciously, and then suddenly we have a conscious thought of, oh, what about this? What are we to do about it? How? What are we to think of it? Thought doesn't resolve anything. Uh, the ancient guru Vasistha, who was a writer of the Vedic text, said, though appearing to though appearing to be intelligent, thought doesn't really understand anything. Thought is a single stream, whereas our subconscious works on multiple streams. If we take this thought that we have, okay, well, I have this doubt. Maybe I can't do this. It doesn't help to indulge the thought. The thing to do is, okay, I got that. Dismiss the thought with the intention of, well, tell me what the solution is. In other words, play a little Q&A with your core <laughs> mind, and you'll get intuitions, you'll get insights. It all comes to you. And then you get the answer and it comes to you in a thought and you go, oh, that's good. So we are constantly making this evaluation process when we have these thoughts of will mind. Thoughts from matter, natter mind are a completely different animal. And natter mind is the problem. Yeah. I love that you're talking about this. I don't know if you know this, but the only reason you and I are speaking is 20 years ago, I dialed a wrong phone number and I didn't hang up. And um, now I'm, I'm I'm a girl from New York. I don't know if, I don't know how much you know about New Yorkers, but I'll tell you when we get phone numbers, we hang up. I didn't hang up. And I was looking for somebody that wasn't the person, but within 10 minutes, I had I had 
gotten on a call with the woman and I bought my first hour of airtime. Clearly, this was not on my logical radar. But what I loved about what you said is the relationship between intuition and insight. And I don't think we talk about that enough. It seems like I have this enormous ability, enormous ability to be able to make a connection between something that seems so abstract. Some people call intuition abstract. I don't. But man, do we have ability to be able to travel beyond the monkey mind, beyond the natter. We have this ability. What you do in your book is you tell us about how we are ending up in certain places and how we can move beyond them. And you do it in such a really very direct and unique way. I don't have to read very much to understand a comment about insight and intuition. Um, and I love the phrase that your mind has been polluted by natter mind. This is so important in the way you're presenting this. Because if people could read this, understand it, and make a change, how might their lives change? The most obvious thing is that bliss become bliss becomes on tap. Uh, it's always there to you. I think it needs to people need to understand that. Our existence is so much richer than what our monkey mind will tell us. Our monkey mind wants to limit us. It wants us to be a slave. The natter mind, monkey mind, is a parasite. It's sucking our psychic energy. And if we subdue natter mind, quiet it down, then, and I know this sounds abstract and odd, but there there's a universal field of consciousness that populates all the consciousnesses in existence. Mm. And we we witness as part of that unified field. And I go into the science of this in the back yeah. part of my, my book. Yeah. But the reason that Nattermind is there is to present to us the ultimate challenge, the supreme challenge, and that is to master ourselves. If we subdue Nattermind... We get bliss because the unified field of consciousness loves the show, the show called existence. Well, we're a fractal representation of that unified field. We, Our will to live is based on, I want another smile. I get up in the morning because I want to have fun. And if we're healthy, we all do. That's what we're here for. So subduing Nattermine opens the door to all the potentialities that you could mm -hmm. possibly have based on your desires, et cetera. And that is ultimately what the book is about, is that's what gaining power is. Power is the expression, the intensity, and the the, the power, there's no better word, mm. of what your will mind is. I want to do this and how it expresses. I love it. But we're going to go on because I want to talk about one of my favorite things that you really talk about in the book. And when I got to this part of the book, I was like, oh, yes. Before we do, one, how do people find out more about you? How do they get a copy of the book? Let's tell everybody the best way to do that, if you could. There's information on my website. Many of my books are available on my web website, which is ishinobu.com. Uh, there are excerpts of Besting Yourself. There's a video of it. Um, so that's a starting place. But of course, you buy the book in Kindle or print through Amazon. And there will soon, within a few months, there'll be an audio book of it as well. Uh, oh, 
Thank you for that. Is she, look, I want to ask you this question. I, I did a talk, wow, how to be 15 years ago. Now, you should also know that before that wrong phone number, I entered this realm knowing nothing. Six months, I started to doubt myself and I came down with a mystery disease. The only thing I could do was to keep buying airtime. But the change of direction of the show, holistic, spiritual, positive, things that had always been important to me, but I never understood. I interviewed a lot of people, but here's the one thing I said at a conference. I said, belief is the architect of your future. And I thought people, I couldn't, I couldn't tell if they were cheering or booing me, but it opened up a door and I had to explain it. Now, if I had this book, it would have been a lot easier. And I explained it in terms of my own experience. But belief is an important aspect of your this book, your journey, and to latching on to the idea of that power. Can you talk a little bit from your perspective on how belief could be a gateway to gaining this power or not? Well, I was going to say you and I have very different um, esteem of beliefs. <laughs> Me too. Uh, be belief is lazy-mindedness. Uh, Nattermind wants you to believe. And the only way to vanquish Nattermind is to dispel belief. Yep. There's there's no, just like thought, there's no point in belief. The, the point of memory, we... We go through the world using our memory and our imagination. And the question is, do we do so fruitfully or are we disrupted in our lives by memory and imagination? The only use of memory is skill. <laughs> we gain knowledge and knowledge is both for mental and physical tasks. And then because of memory, we retain that knowledge. We recall it and we're able to perform whatever. Everything takes skill to use memory for sentimentality, to focus on past events. Post-traumatic stress syndrome is remembering a horrific event and replaying it over and over again and being absorbed in that. Well, while you're doing that, of course, you're not in the present and you're suffering for no reason other than using abusing your memory. So that's the bad part of memory. The bad part of imagination is used for problem solving, rightfully so. When we have a desire, what a desire means is, well, I'm not content. Discontent drives us to do something. Well, that disc if if we have discontent, then we have to define, well, what would be content? So we have to imagine the status quo is not what we want. We imagine what isn't to get to what is that we have some ideal state. That's part of problem solving. Of course, little obstacles along the way that have to do with logistics is problem solving. That's what imagination is good for. But people use their imagination, as you mentioned earlier with the movies, to fantasize, et cetera. That doesn't do you any good. Once again, you're away from the moment of now, which is all that exists. You're lost in thought. Yeah. Now, I must clarify, that was the only time in the last time I ever said that statement. Because it sent me on a journey to understand what I just said. And I changed it. It took me about a year. But that statement I made played out not to work in helping me heal my body, myself. And then I realized who I was as a kid. I had an imagination of, my mom used to say, you have an imagination of an angel. 
Now, that's not really good if you grow up in the projects in New York, because, I mean, that's a little bit unwieldy for parents. But I want to talk about imagination, because it's something that if you grow up in the corporate world like I did, it shows up on your performance review as an executive, where you get a very high performance review. And then the last thing they say is, and we think she's from another planet. I now know that's a compliment. <laughs> I now see that as a compliment. Imagination, credible ability we have. What would happen if we actually used the potentiality? And, and I use the word imagination a little bit loosely because that's a common term for people. But how does imagination become the architect of our future? Imagination, of course, sets our vector as to what we would like and we envision what this contented space would be in whatever realm we're dealing with. Uh, I want to go back for a moment, though, and sure. touch on belief because I kind of missed the point of the answer. The problem with belief is that it is a reification. In other words, and re reify means to believe that an abstraction is true. We use concepts as tools. If we believe those concepts are real, then we're lost in philosophy. Uh, and imagination, of course, plays into that because we imagine scenarios as a natural part of our life. And this is how Nattermind takes takes control when we're young children and we just live that way. Uh, we imagine certain things and we say, oh, gee, I can do that. I can. That's possible. Well, that's really no way to live. Um, if everything is moment by moment and if we live moment by moment, Yes, we have intentions. Yes, we have directions. But there's no reason to imagine this paracosm, this imaginary world. Nattermind loves us to do that because Nattermind wants us to believe. But if we instead focus moment by moment with the intention to proceed towards something a little more vague, we haven't fleshed it out in our imagination, then we remain open to discovery. We remain open to new opportunities. Imagination can vector us like blinders on a horse. It can't see to the side. And so we don't want to do that. We want to be always open to new opportunities as they arise. So often, I'm sure you've had this experience where we had something in mind, something we were intending to do with regard to our career or a project. And if we were open to changes, that project transformed. We started to have different intentions because we saw things that we didn't know of before we started the project. That's why I'm here today, because you can't develop a network and enter into a world 20 years ago where positive talk of anything wasn't a reality in media. And to, to this point, one of the top publicists out there tried to get an interview on a book for her author, and the title had the word mindfulness in it. And about four months ago, she said to me, you know, Pat, this is your 20th year. I've known you 20th years. Do you know that I tried every radio station in the United States to interview this author? And they said, no, because mindfulness is in it. You're the only one that didn't. And I think it's because curious, didn't know what was going on. But you see, this the way you've written about this takes me to another level. Because you you really tap into my corporate background when you start to use words like goal and plan and reality. And it's almost like a blueprint that you're laying out where we have to choose 
how we're going to be or not be. But if we pay close attention to what you're saying and the journey you take us on, we will start to feel a sense of power. We will start to see things materialize. Now, I can't tell you the details of how I got here. I know I didn't get it from anything I learned. Why do you say that? That you it wasn't something you learned? Because the guidance I got was guidance that I wasn't aware of. I'm not kidding. You know, to walk away from a tenure education and a job that would have paid me $250,000 to be a corporate consultant. My friends literally wanted to just have me checked out, but I knew I couldn't do it. I wasn't going to do it. But something else guided me to not hang up, to only want to talk about things that would help people self-discover, learn about themselves, rise up. Not that, not that you're not going to have your dark moments. We all do. I mean, I was homeless at 17. I don't live back there. I joke about it now. But the way you've done this and the way you've walked us through this is a way that everybody could understand and everybody can enact in their lives. And yet, when I look at you and I look at the depth and the energetic flow of what is underneath this, how could I not learn something here? that will help me alter a pathway in my life that I really don't want to go. See, that's what I love about this. And that's what I love about your teaching. It's for everybody, if we choose it to be. One of the most difficult interviews I've ever done was with Krishna Das in a barber's chair. Every question I ask him, I know nothing, was his answer. And I'm on AMFM radio. Krishna does. Forgot the interview in a barber's chair. And I finally said to him, okay, it, I guess the interview's over. And he laughed. And then we did the interview. What I want, what I want to share with you about this is it's a level of openness that I think we have to have now in the world. I don't know how to talk about it exactly, but it's the moment where you have a consideration or you hear a voice and the voice says, turn around, Pat, turn around the car you parked, turn around the car you parked off a cliff on a road in California on a cliff, turn around. The car is moving. You didn't put the brake on your best friends in the car. Turn around and you turn around and you see the car rolling off a cliff. And the only thing you know to do is you were smart enough to leave the door open and you jump in it to stop that car. See, to me, I can't explain that, but you do. And you're doing it in the book and in your other work brilliantly. Because I think that is our future. I think everybody has the ability. We just don't know how to get there. You know, we just don't know how to get there. And again, probably looking at me like she really is Pollyanna Panic. She thinks everybody can get there. But that's why I absorb things that you write. I, I read these with an open mind and an open heart. I want to have the idea of your book. I, I want that. And some days I think I know it and some days I don't. But see, that's what I think the power is of not just this book, but in the way you're presenting information that I get it. My friend can get it. Housewife in Alabama can get it. And the world needs it. 
that's a really long answer to your question. Well, thank you. <laughs> it is. You know, I'm an optimist, but I love the science. I love when you bring in, <laughs> did you, I think you said this. Did you say biology is a bummer in the uh, book? I think you say biology is a bummer. I, I might have said that. I think you did. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Right. Well, by, we, we're limited by our biology. We, it can only constrain us. Uh, if we think that we are a mind body and amid an ex external world, if we buy into all of that and, and that's all there is, uh, then we've bought the package of lies. Um, you were just talking earlier about how you had an inner voice uh, mm -hmm. that changed your life. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't write extensively about this, but my guru, uh, Nisargadatta Maharaj, did mention, and I'm very aware of it, um, what are called presences. There are always spirits that ride along with us, that are within us. Um, and I want to make an analogy here. Uh, when we eat food, we have a micro, what's called a microbiome. And the microbes, the bacteria, and there are some fungi there, they digest all our food. Our body can only take in simple sugars and minerals, uh, vitamins. The microbes in our gut eat our food, provide the sugar, provide the vitamins, manufacture the vitamins. So we're dependent upon that microbiome for digestion. The spirit biome of our presences is the same thing. We can get a bad microbiome in our gut if we have a bad diet. We can get a bad spirit biome in that affects our mind and the, and the way we proceed through life if we believe in that or mind. Every religion, every culture has talked or written about exorcism, of getting rid of evil spirits. Well, that is a super bad spirit biome. But a healthy spirit biome provides guidance, tells, as, as one told you, turn around. We always have these presences that help us or hurt us. So part of becoming mentally healthy, part of vanquishing Nattermind, what happens is we get a healthier spirit biome and our intuitive guidance improves. Thank you. Now, I know this is a short interview, so but I do have something I do want to talk to you about. And I, again, I'm going to have to paraphrase from the book, but I believe there is that you say, I think you go, let's recap. And then you say uh, something, we perceive dualism, but it cannot be true. I read that, highlighted it, scribbled the whole thing with it. And I said, whatever you do, you, you need to we need to talk about this. Why do I say that? I did a talk not too long ago, short one, and I made a statement about negativity. And I got the, the one of the most difficult rebuttals about it. What I don't even know. I don't know what this statement. Can, this is what I said. I said, I don't believe in positive and negative. Oh, good for I, you. I don't believe that. I said, what I, and I created I, I literally created this for myself to talk about this. As a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to talk about it in a, at, a, in, at a keynote. I said, I believe in the idea of centric. See, I believe in being positive centric. So what does that mean? And then the person I was talking to is pop culture. I said, wait a minute. 
like you you talk about fashion centric, right? So you live your life. So in your heart, I said, what if there was no negativity? What if there wasn't any positivity? But what if there was this idea that guides us? I said, I am having a hard time believing in negative. I said, I don't, I don't understand it. We're born and we come into this world. And, you know, are there different degrees of our being? Yeah, I absolutely believe in that. But I just don't believe in left, right, positive, negative. I, you know, when my, my professor asked me a question when I was in school and asked me about the glass half full thing, right? And I just looked and, you know, we're in a classroom and I, I, of course, I was not paying attention. So, of course, I'm the one that got picked on, right? Because like, I mean, there's 50 people in the room. Come on, let's get real. You could have picked anybody. So he looks at me because I was doing something. I think I was drawing or doodling or something. It was a little bit boring. And he said to me, you, Pat, I got a question. If you answer this question correctly, you're going to get an A in the class. And I thought, I'm done. I'm I'm just, I'm a mess. I'm screwed. I'm ne- it's never going to happen. Because I don't even know what the, I don't even know what he was talking. He said, I want to ask you a question. Is the glass half empty or half full? I said, it's neither. I said, why would anybody drink a glass that's half of anything? I don't, I don't understand the concept. I don't know about your glass, but my glass is overflowing. Dude had to give me an A. The entire 49 other people just roared and cheered. But that's what I mean. We go to this place and we categorize people. We categorize things. We even categorize energy. You know, there's this idea that if you're not in this box, then you must be in this box. But if you're not in this box, then maybe we should create a new box. So I've never really understood dualism. And believe me, I've tried to, but I can't conceptualize it for myself. So some people would say I'm stuck. What do you think? (laughs) Did you say that you don't understand dualism? Is that... I've been told I don't under I I've been told that because I can't go to these extremes that I'm missing something. But um d- I can't go to the world of perceived dualism. Okay. Well, dual dualism uh, is simply the idea that we 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 naturally have in our mind dualism and that is the idea that we are a mind body that lives amid an external world. And science has disproven that notion. <laughs> Thank goodness. Which which means that our perception is a deception. Uh, if not dualism, then there has to be a monism. In other words, that all of existence has to emanate uh, to constantly create itself from a single source. And there are two schools of thought about that. Conventional science, because conventional science looks at the artifacts of matter and and then uses inference, which is entirely a mental process, to, to theorize. Well, they say, well, gee, everything comes from matter. And that's ridiculous. Uh, but that's all of science in my next, not my next book after besting, but the book after that is called When Science is Fiction. And it goes into another disproof of mannerism. What I call energyism is what we've been talking about. And energyism basically says that, as I mentioned earlier, a unified field of consciousness, a unified field of coherence also exists. Consciousness is the witness. Coherence is the producer and creator. So we have this show called existence. And 
that's our experience, and that's the monism called energyism. And energyism is, and this is the important point, we our lives are what we make of them. We have so much potential that goes yeah. untapped because we're believing the lies of Nattermind, because we aren't quiet and in being quiet, in being inner quietude, in having inner silence. The field that our consciousness is gets a stronger connection with the universal field, the unified field. And through that stronger connection, we get all kinds of health benefits. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I love this. And, you know, I think this is for any, for those of you listening, I just want to remind everybody that for those of you listening, we're uh, the book Besting Yourself. When you go through this book, you're going to see where my questions are coming from. And as I went through the book, um, I, this section of the book that I got to that I'm referring to has to do with the way that for me, the way that I I went through asking myself these questions, you don't ask the questions, but I went through and I asked them. And then I got to the point where I think you said dualism is lying to us or perception is lying to us and exactly the way you described it. So I was telling the these folks, I said, I feel stuck in the idea of just there being positive and negative. I said, these are energies, but there's a whole range. There's a whole range of existence. And what I ended up saying, and I haven't really finished thinking this through, so I'll just tell you that. This is a work in progress. I'm positive-centric. And what that means to me is I wake up every day and I have a smile. Does that mean I don't have a bad moment or does that mean that, you know, something doesn't happen that just gets me a little bit sideways? No, but 80% of the time, what's in my heart comes from that place. And that was the best way I could describe it. It's not a thing. It's an energy. It's not something that I can define. And so then they asked me, well, how are you guided by it? And I said, more to be revealed. <laughs> Look, thank you so much for your time. Because you. as I read more about this, this is really, I, I'm I'm better understanding through what you're writing and what you're teaching, because we do get trapped in the the beliefs and the ideas and the notions of something. Um, dualism is one of them. It is one of the most common used words in the self-help arena now for people to try to use to prove a point that I'm not quite sure I understand when there's such a continuum of possibilities. You know, there's such a, you know, a long time ago, I remember speaking with Dr. John Martini about contrasts. And I said, John, I understand what you're saying, but like, isn't there like a whole lot of stuff in between this and that? I mean, like, I know what you're saying. Like, if I believe, if I feel this, I, if I feel this good thing, you're telling me a bad thing is going to show up. But see, what you're doing here for us is besting yourself and gaining power. Because people are really feeling a little powerless now. Almost every survey in psychology says that. Thank you for your time today. Please, again, tell us um, how we can get the book. And then last question is, I'd love to know your personal message. 
The book is available through Amazon.com, but I would suggest going to my website. There's a lot more information there. I have podcasts. I have most of my books available to you online and as PDFs. That's Ishinobu.com, I-S-H-I-N-O-B-U.com. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? Um, Thank you so much for taking this time with us. My personal message is that you're cheating yourself if you don't make the most of yourself. And you really ought, this book and my works are ultimately about having fun. That is the point. The enrichment of your own life comes from you being entertained in every moment. Absolutely. And thank you for that, because like in about five minutes, I'm going to change my clothes, go to my garage and hit a little white ball at about 35 or 40 miles an hour. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. We'll see you next time. Hey, everybody, welcome to our good news segment. We all do this. You might be thinking, what is she talking about now? What when we say we all we all do this? For some reason, there's some security blanket that many of us feel. The minute we get some prescription or something from our doctors, doesn't matter what it's for, could be for a headache, could be for something in our state, doesn't matter. We get a prescription, we bring it home, maybe we get a refill, maybe we don't, but for some strange reason, we keep the pills. We just keep them. I, I, you know, I mean, you know, right? I'm talking to you. You know, I'm talking, right? We, okay. So here, here's what we're going to do today because we've got passion, purpose, commitment. Ashley Schmidt joining me here today, Vice President of Regulatory and Compliance at uh, Inmar Intelligence. And here's what we want to know about this: whether you think keeping those scripts in your medicine cabinet, your drawers is not a potential for harm. I hope by the end of today's show, we think again. And we give ourselves a little nod because our pharmacies have made it really easy for us to get rid of them. And so what is, I could do a whole show on the psychology of why we don't, but I'm not going to do that. Today, it's all about Ashley and about this being a national prescription drug take back day. Ashley, right? Am I right about this? It's like this little security blanket. We just don't want to let go of them. You are right. Overwhelmingly, most people hang on to their medications. And and not only that, most people don't know how to properly get rid of their medications. Right, right. Now, I'm not kidding when I say at least the pharmacies where I live, you know, I mean, the places where I live, they have made it like super duper easy to get not just take your scripts back, but take the empty what should I call them? Bottles, containers, whatever they are. Um, but give me an update because you're here because of a very important reason. Give us an update on the state of affairs that we're seeing with prescription drugs from where you sit. Sure. Uh, about 75% of us actually hang on to those medications, as you said, Dr. Pat. And, and about 30% of those 75% don't know how to get rid of their medications. So um, first, I'll tell you a little bit about National Prescription Drug Take-Back Day, which is coming up um, this coming Saturday, April 22nd, from 10 to 2, and you can find an event near you. Um, and, and it's really easy. Clean out your medicine cabinet. Get rid of all those things you're not using right now. Unwanted, expired, um, old medications, um, medications you didn't take. 
sweep them into a bag or a box and um, and drop them off an event at an event near you. Um, and the other thing you can do is there are, Inmar Intelligence hosts over 6,000 kiosks across the country. So you can find a kiosk near you and drop them off there too. Can you give me the website? Let's get that website out real right away, but a bunch of times today, because if we go to the website, everybody's like, okay, how do I find it? Let's tell them how to do it. Because I, I don't want any excuses by the time we're, we're done here in this short interview. I totally agree with you. So the website is safemedicinedrop.com. And if you go to safemedicinedrop.com, you will enter either your zip code or your city and state, and you can find a drop-off location near you. Yeah. And, you know, Inmar, Inmar Intelligence, look, this organization is committed to making sure that there's a safe, convenient, and responsible way of disposal. And I mean safe, meaningful, responsible way. I'm not talking about you take them and you throw them in your garbage or you think you're going to recycle your, your prescriptions. No, prescriptions do not get re recycled. Um, but, you know, this has been a movement from where I sit. How do I know it? When I got really, really sick in 2004, the world of prescription drugs opened to me. And so I understood, though, how little... We knew about why we should get rid of them. Let's talk about what happens or what could happen. Now, it doesn't have to be your six-year-old that gets into the cabinet. They're just mistakes. You know, I don't know about you, but some warnings I may grab for the wrong bottle or something, and I don't even know what I'm doing. But this is what we're finding. We're finding things that are happening with accidental poisonings across the board, aren't we? We really are. So unfortunately, you know, if you hang on to those medications, you are exposing or putting your family at risk for for accidental overdose, childhood poisonings, um, and unfortunately, you know, misuse and abuse of medications as well. Yeah. So it's, it's really important that we properly and timely dispose of those medications. And I want to give a shout out for those of you. I'm not saying that this audience, I'm, I'm trust me, I'm not saying this is you all, this is you all. But how many of you do not like those really hard containers to open your script and you pull them out and you put them into those other really easy ones. You never write on them, you never mark them up and you bury them. And you think they're your vitamins. Um, I'm talking about across the board, not intentionally. People are not intentionally careless or harmful. We're not talking about this. We're, we go about our lives and we don't understand the impact. Is that what you're finding? It is about, about half of the folks who ultimately um, do become addicted to pain medications or, or misuse medications actually um, found those medications. Either they got them from a friend or they went through a relative's medicine cabinet. So yep. it's certainly not intentional, but unfortunately it does happen. So really important. You got to give us the, you got to give us a skinny on this. What can we do uh, to help protect our households? To give, give us a couple of your, your top, top three tips here. <laughs> All right. So I would say tip number one, um, in the spring and the fall, at the very least, go through your medicine cabinet and pull out those old medications. Um, tip number two, know where there is a kiosk close to you so that you can, you know, if you do get a, a prescription medication, 
Um, say it doesn't work for you. You have side effects. Know yeah. where that is so that you don't necessarily have to wait till the spring or fall. Take them, drop them off. Um, and tip number three is just remember that that while we have take back day twice a year, every day can be consumer drug take back day. So make sure that that you're keeping a regular eye on what's in your household um, and and taking that opportunity to get rid of it. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to for just something we don't pay attention to. Maybe Ashley, you can weigh in on this. And that is it's not just about the pills we find around those people that are on injection drugs. And there are many of them insulin, there's autoimmune drugs. I mean, there's methotrexate, there's you name it, there's so many out there to help people. Um, we're, we're also talking about these two. You know, we're talking about every form, right? And I think we should mention that because they often get, my experience is they get overlooked. Why? Because they're in the refrigerator, because they need to be, uh, and they're next to your milk. And th they are there. I think those are probably the most exposed right? I'm not saying that people are going to grab them and grab your injectable needles, but it's just one level to be mindful of, right? Certainly. Absolutely. It's important to check, you know, all areas of your house for prescription or, or over-the-counter medications mm -hmm. as well to make sure that they don't end up, you know, in the wrong hands or misused accidentally, as you mentioned earlier, Dr. Pat. Yeah. You know, I'm curious about this. You, you know, you all are really at the forefront of this. What is it that got in your hearts at Inmar? What is it that, that touched your heart to say, we got to do something better here for people? Well, I, I so appreciate that question. And I really feel fortunate to work for a company who, um, you know, who takes this very seriously. And I will tell you, um, from my perspective and from our leadership team's perspective, this is one of the most important things that we do every day. We're really, really um, passionate about making sure that we we do our part in our local community here. Uh, we, MR Intelligence, has hosted a, a, a um, take back event for the last six times that there's been an event. And as I mentioned earlier, we're partnering around the country with um, retail pharmacies, hospitals, law enforcement agencies to make sure that we are able to, to remove those medications and dis and safely dispose of them. And I'm fortunate, me per per personally for me, I have kids, I have a family. I also unfortunately have two extended family members who were um, exposed, you know, affected by the opioid crisis. So it's vitally important to me that we, you know, carry this message, get this message out there and make sure that everyone knows how to safely dispose of their medications. Yeah. I mean, you and I kind of cut from the same cloth on that one. You know, I think it's one of the hardest things when the, you know, when this clo hits close to home. I want to just tell everybody, if you go to the website, which I have done, and you go to Safe Medicine Drop, that's D-R-O, like drop, safemedicinedrop.com, you can put your uh, zip code in, which I did, and it gives me this great message. It says zip code you enter is covered under Safe Medicine Drop program. And then when you get there, there's lots of information. I want to encourage everybody to really take a look at the frequently asked questions. You know, I'm a little fanatical when it comes to, to this kind of thing, but these frequently asked questions are, the, these answers are something you should be, make a screenshot of this or do something with it, because they're not only going to help you for you, they're going to help you just in case something gets a little bit out of hand here at home with a loved one. 
Um, and they take you through how do you do it? Where do you do it? What are the locations? You know, there's so many things here that you can find out about. Also, you can find out other resources here. So what, what's so fascinating to me, if you're not sure, you know, who Inmar Intelligence is, you go here and you'll find out. This is beyond a commitment for them. This is something that's important. Um, um, Ashley, here, look, uh, the thing, thank you all for doing this. Both you and I have been on the other side of seeing accidental things happen. Parents <laughs> don't plan for this to happen. And if we could just get them out of the house, then we're just removing that one thing, right? That's exactly right. You know, really, the call to action is to make this a habit. Really think about that, you know, put it into your into your um, to-do list and make sure that you're, you're taking care of that. You know, almost 300 people die every day from an from overdose, whether that's accidental or not. So it's really important that um, that we dispose of these medications. You could literally save somebody's life. Yeah. And thank you for really pointing out to people that you don't throw them in the garbage and you don't throw them down your toilet. Don't follow what you see in Hollywood movie things. Um, Ashley, one more question for you. Thank you for today. Uh, we know this is a public health issue, but we also know we can do something to prevent so much of the accidental issues and deaths that happens. Um, you know, we all know that kids get fascinated by shiny new things that are color of red or green or anything like that. Thank you for today. Last question. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? Yeah. So personally, for me, the message is this is a thing is something that you can do that will make a great impact on your community. Uh, take action today to to really to save a life. Um, and and sweep those medications out of your medicine cabinet that you're not using and drop them off at a local event this Saturday or find a kiosk near you um, and drop them off any day. And I want to just say to everybody, if you go to the website, you don't see anything. They have contact here. I mean, just because you don't see something for your neighborhood doesn't mean you can't ask for it. I mean, isn't that correct, Ashley? Um, that's right. absolutely. Yes, that's correct. You could request. Request so a mailback envelope through our website, but website as well, and that envelope will be mailed to your home. And you um, then you can dispose your medications in that envelope, and they'll be safely disposed of. Ashley, thank you so much. Thank you to all the people at. Uh, thank you so much, all the people at Inmar. Thank you for your executive team and the team members at Inmar Intelligence for making this a movement. And I hope you continue to get the message out there. I know we'll support you in that as well. Well, thank you, Dr. Pat, for supporting us. We appreciate the opportunity to get the message out. Thank you. Hey, this is so important, everybody. Write the date down, April 22nd, but don't wait. Don't wait till April 22nd. Come on. Go ahead and get out there. Do something now. Check your, check your drawers. Check your cabinets. Check your kitchens. Check places. You know that you put that stuff in. Probably thinking you're hiding them. Check them and dispose of them properly. Thank you all for tuning us in. This is our good news segment. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.